Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our hosts, Vanilla Wafers. It is the back of the field as well as the bottom of the playlist with Vanilla Wafers where we just had our final race of round number two of the NASCAR playoffs in the book. A group of 12 has been reduced down to a group of eight. And what better race to round up this round than Charlotte Roval? What's up, everybody? Hope you're all doing good today. I hope you guys were able to tune in and watch this race because it was honestly a really good one. We did not know who was going to win this race at all. Obviously, Chase Elliott looked like the most dominant force there at the end. He just seems to be the next Jeff Gordon when it comes to road course races. We said that earlier in the Daytona road course. Now it is almost for certain he gets his fourth victory in a row at a road course. And then next year is looking really, really good with him because now the road courses, instead of two or three we are now going to be having the schedule of six different road courses in the season. I'm absolutely excited about that. But we got a lot of talk about this race. There was a lot that went down. So let's get into it. This is the final results here for the Charlotte Roval Bank of America 400. All right, let's look at some quick facts here. Now, the lead changes was a lot less than Talladega. No surprise there. We still had 17 lead changes amongst 11 different drivers. We also had nine cautions for about 16 laps. So a lot of wrecking, a lot of lead changes. In the end, it was none other than Chase Elliott, driver of the number nine for Rick Henrik Motorsports. He's been absolutely dominating road courses, like we said just a minute ago. And this is another example that 27 laps in this race gets his third win of the season, not counting his win at the All-Star race. He is looking really good as he advances to the round of eight, being victorious at the Bank of America 400. Finishing second, another playoff driver, the number 22 of Joey Logano had himself a really impressive run here at the Roval. Finishing third, Eric Jones with another impressive run here during the playoffs in the number 20 machine. Finishing fourth, we have the number one of Kurt Busch. He already advanced on to his victory at Las Vegas. Finishing fifth, this is number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Finishing sixth, the number 24 of William Byron. Finishing seventh, this is number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Finishing eighth, we have the number 88 of Alex Bowman. The top finishing rookie, the number 41 of Cole Custer, finishes ninth. And rounding out the top 10, even though he had power steering problems, he was still able to get a top 10. That is the number 14 of Clint Boyer. Finishing 11th, we have the number 4 of Kevin Harvick. Finishing 12th is number 8 of Tyler Reddick. Finishing 13th is number 48 of Jimmy Johnson. Leading a few laps, but finishing 14th was the number 37 of Ryan Priest. Finishing 15th, we have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Finishing 16th is number 10 of Eric Amarola. Finishing 17th, we have the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Finishing 18th is the number 2 of Brad Keselowski. Finishing 19th is the number 3 of Austin Dillon. And rounding out the top 20 is the number 17 of Chris Buescher. Some noticeable drivers who finished in the back 20. I'll go through them. Starting off with the number 13 of Ty Dillon. He actually won stage one in this race. However, he had a bad second half, so he finishes 23rd. Christopher Bell did incredible in the first half of the race, but in pure Christopher Bell fashion, he has some problems near the end, and he finishes 24th in this race. 
Kyle Busch was on a different pit strategy. He had to pit in the final lap, so he finishes 30th in this race. And Timmy Hill, looking to be the best field filler of the weekend, blows an engine on lap 57. He finished 5th in stage 1. Unfortunately, due to that engine blow, he finishes dead last in this race. And that is your final results here for the Bank of America Roval. 400 and the four drivers who got eliminated in this final race in the round of 12 are austin dillon clint boyer kyle bush and eric amarola moving on are denny hamlin kevin harvick chase elliott martin trex jr joey logano brad kisilowski alex bowman and kurt bush austin dillon had a really really good run in the first round but unfortunately the second round he just wasn't there he was kind of running how he was for most of the season where he was kind of like in the 15th to 20th spot he ran into some problems in las vegas so he was in a must-win scenario here when it came to this final race unfortunately he just hasn't been good at road courses so him finishing um in the top 20 was still not good enough to make him advance on. Clint Boyer, he also ran into some problems, including the Talladega race. He had, he needed to win as well, and he was looking like he was going to be the guy that would end Chase Elliott's great streak, but unfortunately with the power steering problem, he just wasn't able to come back. He still got a 10th place finish, but when you lose power steering at a track like that, there's just no way you can catch up up front and catch up that much ground to some people who have just been absolutely dominating the race. Kyle Busch had himself one crazy race. I don't think it was as crazy as Talladega because, holy hell, I think he got caught up in every single accident that happened at Talladega. But he went from the front. He was in the back at one point. I think he even spun out. And then he ran on a fuel mileage race and just wasn't able to pay off for him. That's just how it's been for Kyle Busch. He's had dominant cars all this year, but it's 2020, and he's just not able to get a victory right now, and like I said earlier in August, I don't think he's going to get a victory by the end of this year. I think the closest chance he has now is maybe Martinsville, maybe even Phoenix, but I don't think he's going to be really up there with the other four championship runners who are going to be in the playoffs in that final race. I think those guys are going to be head and shoulders above everyone else, and really, that's I feel like that's Kyle Busch's best opportunity, if not there, like I said, Martinsville, but even then, Martinsville it seems to be dominated by Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Trex Jr. So we'll see on that. But for now, Kyle Busch will not be running for the championship in 2020. And then the last driver was the number 10 of Eric Amarola. Eric Amarola, he basically needed the victory or a really good finish at Talladega. That's where I felt like he couldn't possibly make it into the round of eight. But when he got into that accident, it was at that point when I realized, yeah, we're not going to see Eric Amarola in the round of eight because he really doesn't do that well at road courses. And he was never really a contender in this race at all. I think everybody except maybe Austin Dillon in this race was a contender that was in the playoffs. But he just wasn't there and that's just not his kind of style of racing is those road courses he likes those mile and a halfs so i bet you he's going to get a couple more top 10s he could have an opportunity to get a top 10 in the next four races but unfortunately it won't be for a championship now as we look at the eight drivers who are left which ones look to be the four that are going to be making it in to the championship round at Phoenix. I feel like Kevin Harvick is definitely a shoo-in. I mean, these next few races here are just right up his alley. He's been phenomenal a mile and a half. He does really good at Martinsville. And then Phoenix, he's basically the king of that track. So basically, everyone's trying to compete to throw Kevin Harvick off of being the 2020 champion. The other three drivers, one of them's definitely going to be Denny Hamlin, it looks like. I know he got the victory at Talladega, but other than that, he really hasn't been that great in the playoffs. However, you look at 
at Texas, just last year he got a victory there in the fall. And then also when you look at Kansas, he's won the last two races. So he's really good at these tracks, and not to mention Martinsville. He's done really good there as well. So Denny Hamlin is looking really good here in the round of eight. The other two spots is going to be pretty interesting to see. Do I see Kurt Busch advancing? I really don't think so. I feel like he would probably be in the fifth or sixth spot. Yeah, he's definitely the dark horse out of the round of eight right now. We always see one. Last year, I think it was Ryan Blaney. Then the year before that, it was Eric Amarola. So we always have that one dark horse. I just don't think he's going to be advancing on to the round of four. There's a lot of better drivers here in this playoffs. Alex Bowman probably seems like another one. I think he's going to be similar with Kurt Busch. Yeah, he's probably going to get top tens, but I just don't think it's going to be enough for him to advance on. Chase Elliott actually looks really, really good to be the third candidate there for the championship for, and hopefully he's able to do it because I look at these other few races here coming up. He's done really good at Kansas. He's done really good at Texas, and he's done really good at Martinsville. He looks the best at Martinsville. The other races, he kind of finishes 13th or better. I don't know if that's going to be enough, but I really feel like if he can score about 130 points here in this round of eight, he's going to be able to advance. And then the last spot, I was thinking more of Martin Trex Jr. I mean, Martin Trex Jr. has done really good at all these racetracks, but it seems like the last few races, it just hasn't been what we've seen this summer. I'm really leaning more towards Joey Logano once again, edging out his partner, Brad Keselowski, and here's the reason why. He's done really, really good at Martinsville. We've clearly seen that, but in the other races, he's finished near the top five at both Texas and Kansas when it comes to the playoffs. I think this is a great setup for Joey Logano as well, and those might be your four guys, and they've clearly been the four best drivers. I think the only one you're missing there is Brad Keselowski. I just feel like Joey Logano is going to be the one to be able to move ahead, and those will be the four competing it out in Phoenix. And right now, the guy that's looking the best at Phoenix, I, I have to say Kevin Harvick. Now, before we completely get away from this race, I know we're looking at the championship right now, but let's go back to the Bank of America 400, because there was really a lot of stuff that went down this race. One being that we started this race on rain tires. It has been almost 70 years since we've seen NASCAR Cup Series race with rain tires. It's been that long and it was absolutely crazy to see. Um, I was just hoping that maybe the race was going to be similar to the Xfinity series where it was raining the whole entire time. We just didn't get that. It, it was just drenched at the beginning of the race and just stayed dry for the rest of the time being. Probably if we saw a photo of that racetrack right now, it'd be soaked once again. It was just the way it was. Uh, the NASCAR gods have finally have blessed us with dry weather here on the second half of the season where in the first half of the season, we were dealing with rain every single race. Now when we want rain, now they won't give to us. I guess beggars can't be choosers, but hey, we got to see that and it was really kind of interesting when they went to slick tires throughout the entire race. There was a lot of wet areas still on the racetrack, so it did affect a few drivers. That was really fun to see. And another thing that I thought was really cool was we saw a lot of drivers that we would never see up front lead this race. Not in a sense of like the restrictor plate race, but Ryan Priest led eight laps. I thought that was really cool. Held off a charging Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. Also, Christopher Bell did really, really good here in the first half. William Byron also did really, really well. There was a lot of drivers that we usually just don't see at the front too often leading this race and doing a damn good job doing it. Um, unfortunately, those guys just didn't really have the good finish that they deserved. Uh, William Byron actually got himself a top six, so that's pretty good for him. But those other drivers I mentioned... 
finished 14th or worse, and that's just the way it is near the end. Um, it was kind of stretched out there in the final few laps. So it is what it is, but what can you do? And also one thing that I really liked was we were seeing some of the top drivers really struggle on this racetrack. Usually um, when it comes to these racetracks or any kind of race, it's usually anybody from Rick Rare Racing or Premium Motorsports. That's usually the guys who spin out and wreck. This race we saw actually people like Denny Hamlin struggle. We also saw Matty Bandetto, Ryan Newman. Holy hell. How many times did he spin out in this race? He spun out like five times. He was almost suffering from Vickernism. If you don't know what Vickernism was, uh, just watch Brian Vickers in Martinsville back in 2011. Oh, ye God, that was horrible. However, <laughs> however, just to see those veterans struggle that bad just shows you how tough this racetrack actually is. And that's what I really want to see at racetracks. Just drivers really get pushed to the limits when they go to a certain racetrack. And I'm hoping these new road courses that we see here coming up in the future are just as difficult for these drivers. So it really shows us who's truly the best of the best. Now, as far as some negatives go for this race, I can't really think of too much. I think the only thing, if I could think of a negative when it comes to this race, maybe the cameras. That's about it. And that's really pushing it. I mean, yeah, one camera was foggy at the chicane over in like, what is it, turn 13 and 14? I think that's it. I, I might be horribly wrong on that. But yeah, the chicane, the the camera was foggy the whole entire race. Also, the one in around turn four and turn five was covered in mud. And then the cameras on top of the cars were covered in rain. That's like the only negative I could think of. It was really a good race. So I'm not going to be too negative on this one. This is definitely one of the top races of the year. I would consider it a top five race. I wouldn't say it's the best. But it's up there definitely with some of the Talladega and Daytona races as well as the races at Darlington and Bristol. It was a really good race. If you get a chance to watch the replay, go and watch it. It was a really good one. Okay, now it is fantasy time. It is time to see how our picks did here at the Bank of America 400. Let's first look at the top six picks for this weekend. If you went with Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Martin Trex Jr., and Eric Jones, you pick the six best drivers and scored the most possible points you could have this weekend. Those were the top six guys, and let me tell you, um, Chase Elliott, I said, would be one of the top ones. He did fairly well. Joey Logano, I said he would be more of a third or fourth pick. He just had to make sure everything got put together. Eric Jones, I didn't really mention too much. I said maybe a fourth or fifth pick guy. Ryan Blaney's done really well here. William Byron was kind of a riskier pick. And then Martin Trex Jr., I think, was the biggest downer from these picks because Martrex Jr. wasn't really too much of a factor in this race and I really thought he would be. I think he just had a little bit of problems when it came to the pit strategies but still hey 37 points for Martrex Jr. that's really good. Hopefully you have a few more picks saved up for him because I really feel like he can probably do good definitely at Martinsville and then maybe one other mile and a half track but man this felt like this was going to be a slam dunk option to go with and he really only scored 37 points. I mean it still was the top five but I was thinking he was going to score 
uh, 45 or more points, but it is what it is. Clint Boyer was more of a bust than anything. I said he would be probably a third or fourth pick as well. He was really your fifth or sixth pick option when it was all said and done. You can't blame Clint Boyer too much on this. Again, bad pit road strategy, and then he got caught up in some incidents, and then it just took away his power steering. He still got top 10, but he was not able to score the stage points, so 27 points. Hopefully, that was your fifth best guy. Moving on down, Alex Bowman did really, really well. He was right around the ranking that I thought he was going to do. Exactly what he needed to do to move on. Good job for Alex Bowman. Denny Hamlin was the biggest bust from the top five guys for sure. Um, he just only scored 22 points. He was spinning out left and right. Got so much damage to the car. Uh, I decided to bench him by the halfway point. I just figured he wasn't going to do well near the rest of the race. And I was kind of right. Now I got him saved up for almost four races. I think I got four races still with Denny Hamlin. So I might use him for the rest of the season. But man, I'm, I'm really bummed out that I didn't get to use him in this race because I thought he was going to do really good. Uh, Kevin Harvick, 26 points. To save him up, you start using him next week. This is where he's going to really start to jump out. Brad Keselowski, um, he was kind of similar with Joey Logano. He can get the stage points if he can put it all together. He didn't really get the stage points, and he didn't really put it all together today. Brad Keselowski was without a doubt a bust for the Roval. Moving on now, we got uh, Joey Logano. He did phenomenal in this race. Um, I did not think he was going to be a top three finisher. I thought maybe at the best he was going to be a top ten guy. But he did good in the stage finishes. He finished second in this race. If you put him on your list, that was a really, really good option. Good job for Joey Logano on that one. And then with Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, Eric Amarola, I said you'd be nuttier than Squirrel Turst to put him on your list. And I was right on that one. Uh, I'm usually not right when it comes to fantasy picks, but this one I was honestly right with. Kyle Busch, he actually had a really good race. He just couldn't get any stage points. He was trying to go for the win, and he couldn't do that either. He only gets seven points. If you put Kyle Busch on there, I'm sorry. Hopefully, you can save him for the Martinsville race and the Phoenix race. And then Eric Amarola, Austin Dillon, they just don't do good at road courses. But still, look at them for the mile-and-a-half tracks. They'll still be able to get you some good points as a third or fourth pick. Some of the non-chase drivers, Jimmy Johnson, just inconsistent, man. 24 points, but he's way better than that. It's a bit of a bummer. If that was your fifth or sixth pick, then that was pretty good for you. Ryan Blaney, definitely a third or better pick, and he absolutely did that in this race. Matty Bandetto, he was more of a bust. William Byron, he boomed this weekend. Eric Jones, kind of in the middle. I felt like he would do that. He was scoring on average between 29 to 32 points. He scored 35 points in this race, slightly above average. If you used him as your fifth or sixth pick, great job on that. Michael McDowell absolutely did nothing in this race. He was an absolute bum for us. He did just as good as Kyle Busch, and Kyle Busch sucked. Just to let you know. And then we go on to Chris Buescher. Chris Buescher didn't really do anything in this race. He was a top 20 guy at best. This would have been a six pick for you, but he really even wasn't that safe in the option. So he was a bit of a bummer. And then some of the riskier sixth or seventh picks on here. I include Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Priest, Daniel Suarez. The ones who really did the best out of these guys was Tyler Reddick and Ryan Priest. Ryan Priest led for actually quite a couple of laps, as we mentioned earlier. And I really thought he was going to finish inside the top seven. I was like, wow, that was a good risky pick if you went with him. I know Mechanical Man, he went with him. Just didn't really have the best finish, but still 23 points. That's your sixth pick. You're still happy about that. So if you used him, awesome job. 
The better one was definitely Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick did really, really well there near the end. He kind of fell off the top 10 when it was all said and done, but still 28 points. Not bad on him. And Daniel Suarez. I just want to mention Daniel Suarez real quick. He's moving to track house racing. He basically said in the middle of the race, he didn't say this word for word, but he basically said it. The team I'm with right now sucks dick, and I'm going to be going with a team that's more competitive. And you, sir, finished 25th in a race that I figured you would finish 15th or better. Daniel Suarez, I don't know what you're talking about, but you are full of beans. If you think you're going to be going to track house racing with a brand new team and you're going to be running super competitive, I really don't see it. You're going to be running back there with the Gaunt Brothers driver, whoever that may be, and it's going to be the same story. I'm sorry. I really don't see Daniel Suarez really turning this thing around because he really hasn't performed wherever he's been. Yeah, he's gotten a good few finishes and he's even gotten a stage win here or there. But other than that, Daniel Suarez has been an absolute bust when it's come to the cup series and really moving to a different team i really don't see too much of a difference than how he's done this year so if you guys went with daniel suarez i do apologize for that he was he was projected to do really good in this race and he really didn't show any performance here at all at the racetrack and as we go to our observers um unfortunately crazy Corrado today was his birthday so happy birthday to him However, he forgot to give me his picks for his race. He is a bum for this weekend because he had to absolutely win this race to be able to pass me and he was not able to do it. Mechanical Manny, on the other hand, he did turn in his results. He went with Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Trex Jr., and Ryan Priest. Those are some very good picks, but his sixth pick was a nutty, and I mean a very, very nutty pick of Kyle Busch. Ooh, ooh. So you only scored 150 points, and me with my picks, I scored 170 because I went with Chase Elliott. I also went with Alex Bowman, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Clint Boyer, and Matt Benedetto. Denny Hamlin kind of let me down, but it's okay. I benched him. And Kyle Busch, he let you down. It's okay. You benched him too. However... That Clint Boyer kind of changed it up, and the Alex Bowman, those picks, made me a little better. So you know what? I will sit here with my ninth victory, and I am now tied for Kevin Harvick with the most wins this season. Oh, you know, it feels good being a field filler and having this many victories. I, I don't know what else to say, except uh, Mechanical Manny, you can suck it with your kicking and screaming lines because I am victorious once again and all I need is now one more victory and I have secured my championship as the best observer in this group of three. Woo! And that will conclude the last segment of today's episode, guys. Before we go off, I just want to say something uh, very personal. And I want to uh, dedicate this outro to my Uncle Pepe. Uh, Earlier this year, I lost him. And today is actually his birthday, October 12th. He would have been 39 years old today. And I just want to say, Pepe, if you're listening out there, I love you. I hope you're doing well in heaven. And thank you for everything you've done for us. We sure do miss you, but I know that you would want us to be continuing each day with love and joy because you brought love and joy to every single one of us. And instead of playing the normal outro and saying my normal outro, I am going to play a song that I used in a video that I made for him 
during the time of his passing. It was one of his favorite songs, and it relates to him really well, and I've come to really love this song. And I'm not even a fan of country music. I mean, you can ask anyone. I really don't like country music, but this song is really close to my heart, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And thank you guys so much for listening. I hope to see you all in the next video. You all take care. Love you, Uncle Pepe. I'm a dirt road in the headlights. I'm a mama's boy. I'm a fist fight. Kind of county line, kind of cold beer. Little hat down, little John Deere. I kind of give a damn, I kind of don't care. You see the girl standing right there. She loves a small town boy like me. She's my ride or die, baby. She's my cool, she's my crazy. She's my laid back in the front seat. She's my with me till the end. Girl, I'm turning up the tin, girl. She can have anybody that she wants to be. Okay, you're ready to go, partner. <laughs> Did you like it? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. No crying. Ow. <laughs>